technical difficulties that I cannot fix uh, from my iPad. So the, uh, the end of the story is remarkable. Uh, if you know, <laughs> let me act it out for you. I'm Zuzu. Here's my pedals. Every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That a boy, Clarence. That a boy, Clarence. What's that you're reading? Oh, this is a book from my old friend Clarence. Anyway, that's all you need to know. You saw the movie. We did it. Congratulations. <laughs> so, uh, there's this particular line uh, in this movie that captivated me this week, uh, that made me want to talk a little bit more about it. And it happens to be that line. Whenever a bell rings, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. And the first time we hear that is actually when George is in his, uh, his one-hour, two-hour nightmare in Pottersville, right? And he's washed up. Uh, he's at the bar. He doesn't know that he doesn't exist in this weird world. And uh, they get thrown out of this bar. And Nick, the bartender, just keeps opening up the cash register. And he says, get me. I'm handing out wings. Because Clarence had just said, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. And at the end of the movie, uh, you have this wonderful climax uh, where everything is worked out, uh, that George has seen the light, literally. Uh, he's now uh, not as in despair as he was. The whole town, all of his friends have come together to help save the day and celebrate this moment. And when uh, they're there together, holding Zuzu, who was sick just a moment ago, this on the tree, magically, this bell starts ringing. And what does Zuzu say all together now? Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. And so then I thought, critically, every time a bell rings? Because that is a lot of angels. If you think globally, how many bells ring at all times? And how many wings? Is there a wing factory in heaven? How does this exactly work? And of course, to spend too much time on that nonsense is nonsense. <laughs> so we're not going to do that. But I started to wonder, what is actually happening here? What, what is this about? Do we really care that Clarence got his wings? Well, kind of. I mean, he was sort of an endearing character, but that's obviously not the point. The reason Clarence got his wings is because he did uh, what he had hoped to do, which was to meet a person in absolute despair, who was George. Everything had finally kind of caught up, and he was at his wit's end. And frankly, it was about as dark of a day as anybody could want considering taking his own life uh, in the dead of winter, uh, looking over the edge of a bridge. I mean, this is the desperation from which George cries out, help me. And God chooses to help George in this moment by sending Clarence. Clarence's job is to try to convince George that this is a terrible decision, that there are options available, that George isn't hearing it, and finally just mutters out, well, I don't want to really be dead, but maybe I just never should have been born. And that's the whole premise of the movie. George finds out through this one, two-hour experience of seeing what the world would be like had he never been born. He starts to realize just how much love was in his life the whole time. He begins to change. He begins to hunger to get back to living again because he wants to see his friends. He wants to see his wife. He wants to see his kids. He wants his life back. That life which was so despairing moments ago, now he can't wait to get back and he's pleading to God, I want to live again, I want to live again. The angel's job was to be a messenger, a messenger of hope and of love and of presence. The angel Clarence got his wings because the angel did his job. And he had a new awareness of the presence of God that had been with him all the time.
And you know, that is the Christmas story. <laughs> I mean, we, we kind of have made this story a, a thing about worshiping Jesus, and I'm not sure that Jesus actually would be totally cool with that. Because when Jesus grew up into a man and people wanted to worship him, he said, don't worship me, worship God, uh, who has been here with you all along. I think he'd probably be a little uncomfortable for us to go too far with that because the whole point of the story, both in Matthew and, and in Luke, was to proclaim this incredible, wonderful news that God is with us. That word Emmanuel that shows up in the Gospel of Matthew, you shall call him Emmanuel because when you're with this guy, you're going to recognize that God has truly been with us. The brilliant news that Jesus shared was is that it was not going to remain unique to him but it was a truth for all people everywhere. God was with all the people he touched, people that had been told God is really not with you based on your illness, based on your social status, by your bank account, by your job, by things that have been done to you. Clearly God's not with you. And yet Jesus would go one at a time in turn, embrace them, and say that's just not true. God loves you. God is with you no matter what. And how true did that need to be for Mary? Who, if we just roll with the story found in Luke, is this, you know, engaged, which is technically a legal marriage to, to Joseph. She's 12, 13, 14 years old, gets pregnant, not in the usual way, and now she has some explaining to do, and nobody's going to buy her story. She had to have experienced God with her every step of the way. The story of George's life, and it's a wonderful life, was a big, hot mess. All kinds of awful things happened. But what George realized when he had his little thought experiment, when he had his little moment to sit and wonder what my life would be like, he recognized that even though things were awful, there were also beautiful moments along the way that he couldn't recognize in the moment, but in retrospect he could see the hand of God was with him every single step of the way. And I think the same is true with Mary and with Joseph, that in the heat of the moment they couldn't see anything because it was too hard to see. But in retrospect, a little bit further down, they look back and they think, wow, I can't believe how much love was in the air to get us through. That makes both of these stories extremely relevant today. Because I know that some of you here today are on cloud nine. Uh, I know enough of your stories to know that some of you, things really couldn't be going any better. Uh, life is good, love is good, everything's wonderful for you. And so it's easy for you to rejoice tonight about love breaking in in a new way because you're living it, man. It's, it's your whole life right now is just a manifesto of love, you know, incarnate in, in your particular season. And that's awesome. Celebrate it, love it, thrive in it, uh, enjoy the ride as long as you can because the human experience tells us that our experience is more like this. And I know that some of you here tonight um, are not feeling so rosy because life's been hard. 2023 was <laughs> difficult to say the least. Some of you have experienced major changes in your life and your health and you've been filled with anxiety for 12 months or more. Some of you got terrible diagnoses and had to go through terrible things this past year that no one would have ever wished for you, and you certainly wouldn't have wished for yourself. Now, some of you have lost people that were incredibly dear to you. Crosswalk has lost uh, several wonderful people uh, this past year. And every one of those is a moment, those death experiences where it just feels like 
Like, you can't see the love. All you can feel is the agony and the anxiety and the darkness. It's almost like not love is prevailing. But what I want to tell you is, from the story of Jesus' birth, where if you just look at the face of it, a guy is born in the worst possible circumstances in a dung-filled cave barn where everybody would say God clearly was not involved in this. For us to recognize that that's where this incredible journey began reminds us that if we happen to be living in a season where the dung is everywhere, if you get my drift, that we're not alone. That if that's where this story started, if that's where God chose to show up in a very powerful way, and what does that say for us in our lives? Now, some of you are too deep in it, and you're just going to have to go on faith for a while. You're going to have to trust that me and other people who love you around you um, know that you are surrounded by love, <laughs> partly because we're the ones that are helping love you. <laughs> we get to be the agents of God's love with you, even as you are in your despair. And my prayer is, is that that faith will hold you through for this season and that you'll be looking soon enough and recognize that there are people around you that have been agents and conduits of the very Spirit of God that we see here lying in this manger. And you will know that you are deeply and profoundly loved no matter what because that is, end of the day, the message uh, that we see in It's a Wonderful Life and more importantly in this Christmas story. I kind of thought about this phrase, the bells still peal. I looked up that word peal. That's kind of an old-fashioned word. We don't use it a lot. Sometimes uh, you hear it, uh, P-E-A-L. And it's not just uh, peal like a little light ring. It's like a strong, strong ring of a bell. And what I want to say to you is that the bells still peal today. 2024, it's going to be a ride. I think we already know that. 2024 is going to be a ride. There's still going to be anxiety. There's still going to be humanity. And I want to tell you that the bells will still peal. There's a little thing called the election coming up next November. Perhaps you've been aware of that. <laughs> and I want to tell you, no matter what happens until that day or what happens after that day, the bells still peal. That love is with us. That love is the ground of our being. We are going to lose people in 2024, and it's going to be of, of great heartache, but the bells still peal because we will remember the love that we shared. We will remember that love is calling them home. We'll remember that love is calling us home too. Whatever you go through this year, the bells still peal. You have breath in your lungs. The fabric of the universe is love. The bells still peal. There's a song that's been uh, in my head this season, unlike any other Christmas season. I grew up in the church, so I grew up singing Christmas carols my whole life. And this particular uh, carol, I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to uh, until this year. It just, uh, just really hit me for some reason. And it's inspired by a poem from the American poet uh, Henry Wadsworth uh, Longfellow. In 1861, uh, he lost his wife that he dearly loved in a tragic accidental fire. A couple years later, uh, his son uh, wanted to enlist with the Union Army to go fight the Confederate South. And Longfellow was not at all uh, pleased at this because he knew uh, the risks that he was taking. And unfortunately, uh, those 
uh, risks were partially realized because in the Battle of Mine Run, uh, his son got severely injured. Not killed, but severely injured. And it was throughout this time of agony and anguish that he wrote the familiar carol, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. And I won't read you the poem because hopefully my tech work will work. <laughs> and you can actually hear this rendition of this uh, hymn. Here we go, maybe.
So I encourage you to just keep your eyes closed for just a second because I want to pray for you. God, may your spirit that anointed us and dawned in a new way, in a profound way, on this Christmas day so long ago, may it dawn again on us tonight. That those who are in pain, those who are struggling because of this past year, may they begin to hear the ring of the bells. Even if ever so faintly. In their quiet, in their calm, on this silent night, may they begin to have renewed hope that they are not alone and never have been and never ever will be. May your love act as a healing balm to those who have experienced deep loss, for those who have been through hell physically, medically, for those who rela whose relationships have fallen apart, representing dashed dreams, may you come and heal. May you ring in their heads, I love you, I love you, I love you. And God, may we all hear that. May we all be moved by this collectively to know that we are deeply and profoundly loved by the, the genesis of all of creation, that originating spirit is within us, loving us, wooing us. May we be filled tonight with the knowledge of your love. But may it not end there. As I pray for us tonight, God, that we will, like those who've come before us, that we will recognize while this gift is amazing, it also comes with an invitation to move forward toward love, toward what you want in the world with us and through us. Not in a controlling way, not in a demanding way, but simply as an invitation. May we hear you say to us, I love you. Let's see where love can take us together. May this be a new dawn of a new day and a new way for us tonight because the bells still peal. This is the name of Jesus. Amen. So we have a special tradition that we do every Christmas Eve service, and that uh, is to uh, all light the Christ candle. Ask my uh, friends to come up here and help me sing. Uh, the way the Advent candle started, it was a thing that was just done in the homes, uh, where people would light one candle at a time as the nights got longer, darkness got longer, uh, then uh, they would light a candle toward the winter solstice to represent uh, the increasing light coming in with the birth of Christ. And so tonight, the Christ candle itself in the middle is lit, and as a declaration of being with and in the light of Christ, I invite you. Uh, carefully, uh, to light uh, your candle off of that central Christ candle, and we'll sing a couple of hymns to mark the moment. Yeah. And I invite you to stay seated as